Welcome to the Valleybrook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a message from our current series, Practicing the Way, the Prayer Practice. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. Well, good morning again, everybody. We are smack dab in the middle of a series called Practicing the Way. For the past four weeks, we spent diving into the practice of keeping the Sabbath. We've learned it talked about stopping, uh, resting, delighting, and worshiping. And so if you began experimenting with that practice, we don't want you to discontinue it. We want to encourage you to, to lean into that because God gave us that weekly rhythm of Sabbath for our good to bless us. So we want to encourage you to do that. But now we're going to make a hard turn, and we're going to go into the practice of prayer. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to lean into prayer. We're going to look at what it means to pray to God, what it means to pray with God, what it means to listen to God, and what it means to be with God. So in his book, Prayer Doesn't Make Any Difference, author Philip Yancey writes this, According to a Gallup poll, more Americans will pray this week more than they will exercise, drive a car, have sex, or go to work. Nine out of ten of us pray regularly, and three out of four claim to pray every day. So prayer is obviously important to us. But Yancey continues saying, when I interviewed ordinary people about prayer, typically the results went like this. Is prayer important to you? Oh, yes, it is. It is. How often do you pray? Every day. Approximately how long? Five minutes? Uh, maybe, maybe, well, seven minutes. Do you find prayer satisfying? N- not really. Do you sense the presence of God when you pray? O- occasionally, but, but not often. Now, many of those that uh, he writes that I've talked to experience prayer more as a burden than as a pleasure. They regard it as important, even paramount, but they feel guilty about their failure and they blame themselves. So that's what Yancey wrote in his research. You know, I think for many of us, uh, there is a challenge uh, of prayer to uh, really fully invest ourselves. And in full transparency, I will admit to you that uh, my answers to Yancey's questions would have been somewhat very similar. Uh, I believe in prayer. I know prayer is important. I even, and even though I believe in prayer, I struggle in my prayer life. I also believe that the more we pray, the more and the better our experience of prayer will be. So maybe the, the simplest definition of prayer would be talking to God. And when you think about that, when we think about our experiences, sometimes prayer comes easy. Sometimes praying can be intimidating. Sometimes praying is powerful. And sometimes we find ourselves struggling to put the words together for prayer. I appreciate uh, what St. Teresa of Avila said years and years ago. She wrote, When it comes to prayer, we are all beginners. Thankfully, though, 
We are blessed because of what we have in the Bible. So in the Gospel of Luke and in the Gospel of Matthew, we have two representations of the Lord's Prayer as they're reported and recorded by those disciples. And in, in the Gospel of Luke, we read this. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Now think about this. Imagine that you were one of the men or the women who was following Jesus every day, trying to learn from him, trying to be his disciple, and you saw him do amazing things. You saw him cast out demons. You saw him teach people with a new depth and authority that you've never seen before. You saw him heal people who had been crippled all of their lives. You saw him challenge the religious authorities in a way that you had never seen before. And yes, you saw him pray. So it's interesting then when you read through the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you don't see the disciples saying, Jesus, teach us how to cast out demons. Jesus, teach us how to heal people. But what we do see them asking is, Jesus, teach us how to pray. So using the teaching of Jesus and other instructions from the New Testament, we're going to talk about what it means to talk to God. So I'm going to tell you three things I think it's important when we talk to God. The first one is this. We need to talk to God about God. All right? So let's look at that. In response to their request to teach them how to pray, Jesus gave us what we call the Lord's Prayer. And this is what he replied. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I ran across this story, which I think is very insightful about human behavior. Pastor Andrew Wilton writes, most of us pray the Lord's Prayer backwards. And he goes on and said, a few years ago, my wife and I were on a flight and it felt like the plane was falling out of the sky. You ever been on one of those flights? They said, you know, we were caught in a giant wind tunnel and the plane was shuddering and sporadically dropping 50 feet at a time. The cabin was filled with shrieking and praying passengers. Many people were crying out to God, to a God in whom they didn't believe. And just as... The old saying goes, there are no atheists in foxholes. He said, there are no atheists in planes that are going through what we were experiencing. He goes on to say, 30 minutes later, we landed safely, and a group of strangers gathered around baggage claim, and we looked rather awkwardly at each other, no doubt feeling a little embarrassed and silly about what one another had witnessed in the past half hour. But he goes on and he says, you know, the content of those prayers that I heard in the plane was fascinating to me because the most common petition prayer that I heard on that flight was some variant of deliver us from evil. So in other words, when people prayed and said out loud, help or save us or, oh, God, please don't let me die. They were asking God to deliver them from the fate that they thought they were in. They were cries for deliverance with the immediate desire to be saved from falling out of the sky. He said, the other prayer I heard almost uh, as many times, but not as frequent, was, 
Forgive us our sins, so to speak. So in some form or another, I heard things like this. I'm sorry. God, please forgive me. You see, people want to be at peace with God when they die. And so they were crying out for rescue and then apologizing as they thought they were preparing to meet their maker. And these sorts of petitions, after those sorts of petitions, most of us pray, please. This probably is the most frequent type of prayer we utter. God, please give me a job. God, please fix my marriage. God, keep my children safe. God, provide for our family. Now, in the Lord's Prayer, we say it this way, give us our daily bread. You see, life comes first. We want to be saved when we feel like we're going to die. Then we want forgiveness when we think we're going to meet our maker. And then we want God to provide for us. Now, Wilson goes on and he says, when we're left to our own devices, we pray the Lord's Prayer backwards. Without being taught, we say, God, help me, save me. Then we say, God, I'm sorry. And then we say, God, please do X for me or Y for these other people. And then if we think about it, we begin to appreciate more fully the God to whom we pray to. Not just as one who dispenses safety, redemption, and material goods, but, but sometimes we think about God for God's own sake. But when we see the Lord's Prayer, that's not how Jesus taught it. See, he's identifying that people were praying it backwards. They started with their need and then eventually maybe got around to talking to God about God. But if we're going to be in a relationship with God, if we're going to know the God who created the universe, we need to start with him and appreciate and praise and honor and and glorify him. That's where we start. So let's talk about that. The first two words of the prayer that Jesus gave are the most important. He teaches us to pray by starting off with our Father. That personal address acknowledges immediately that there's a a familial relationship that we have with God. God is our parent and we are his children. God is our Father and we are his sons and daughters. We're part of the family of God. Now, Don't miss the the staggering importance of, of those words for you and for me. You see, you and I have direct access to the all powerful, all knowing, ever present creator of the universe who lives on high and yet is so concerned with us, his children, that he gives us personal and direct access, a way to connect to him and communicate him whenever and wherever. We are. Just recognizing that should bring up gratitude in our hearts for what God has offered us. And so we should spend time honoring him, praising him, giving him thanks and glorifying his name for all that he's done. That's why Jesus was saying that after we say our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, to say that God's name is hallowed is to say, yes, that it's holy. It's also to say that it's, it's revered, that it's honored, that it's worthy of worship and glory because it represents the almighty and gracious, loving God. 
I was thinking about this this week because, you know, over the past four weeks, we've been leaning into the practice of Sabbath. And so, uh, you know, one of the things we encourage people to do uh, to spend your Sabbath was to get outside. And so a friend of mine had uh, told me about a trail that she had hiked about an hour's drive from here. And so last Sunday, I, I went out to hike that trail. And, you know, as I started on the trail, one of the things that, that really began to, I began to notice was just how beautiful this part of New England was. It was in a valley along a river, and so it was quite damp and moist, and, and moss grew over everything and almost had a prehistoric feel. You know, if a dinosaur had poked its head around a tree, I wouldn't have been surprised. Uh, but, but, you know, as, as I was there, I just began to, to think about what God had created and, and give him praise and glory. And, of course, I pulled out my, my, my phone and took bunches of pictures. But, you know, but while I was just present with God, then it began to, to draw me more into prayer as I walked up and down those rolling hills along that river. When Jesus taught us to pray, he said, focus on God. And that's what I found myself doing. But, but then he goes on and he says, pray to God that his kingdom would come, that his will would be done on earth as it's already happening in heaven. He was teaching us something important, to, to set aside our desires, our will, and embrace the kingdom will, the will of God Almighty, the, the desire that he has for this world and for our lives. He was saying, I want you to want what God wants more than I want you to want what you want. And so it's important for us to think about because if we're followers of Jesus, we need to embrace that. And, and Jesus demonstrated that to us. If you remember in the Gospels, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was in the garden and he was praying to God because he knew what was going to happen the next day. He knew his crucifixion was coming. And he, as he was fully human and fully God, he was in angst about what was going to happen. It said he was, he was so overwhelmed. It said his, his, sweat, his sweat was like drops of blood. And remember what he prayed. He said, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. But not my will be done, but your will be done. You see, he demonstrated to us that the most important thing is not what we want done, but it's what God wants done. And so when we pray for the things of God to happen and defer our will to the will of God, we are honoring God. We're worshiping God. We're letting God be preeminent in our lives. And we're talking to God about the things of God and about who God is. And that's important. That needs to be the first part of any time we pray, just thanking and praising God for who he is. But in that prayer, Jesus goes on. So let's look at the rest of the Lord's Prayer. So going from talking to God about God, and then we can talk to God about what's on our minds. So in that prayer, the Lord's Prayer, Jesus gave us, he taught us how to pray, and he encourages us to talk to God about the things that are on our minds. This is what he said. He said, pray this. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
Now, I want to pause here just for a moment because some of you are saying, wait a minute, there's a line missing if that's the Lord's Prayer. Well, there is a line missing. Uh, And in fact, in some of the ancient manuscripts, you would find that line that says, and yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. But in Many of the modern translations, as more and more Bible research and more manuscripts have been found, the oldest manuscripts, which are always considered to be closest to when uh, they were written, don't include that phrase. And so it's not in most of the modern translations that we have because it's not considered to be the most accurate translation. Now, back to talking to God about what's on our mind. Jesus in that prayer, is addressing the things that his followers think about, like the basic needs of food, clothing, and shelter, and the means to obtain those things. But there are not just temporal things that are on the minds of us. There are also spiritual things that are on our minds that need to be taken care of. So, For instance, we recognize, because the Bible teaches us that we are all sinners, and so we need to deal with the reality of our sinfulness. We need to confess our sins and ask for forgiveness. And if we're going to be in community, we have to deal with the fact that somewhere along the way, somebody's going to do something that's going to offend us, and we're going to be sinned against. And so we need to recognize that it's important for us to forgive those who sin against us. So... This is addressing the need to be in a healthy relationship with God and a healthy relationship with each other. And then when we say in that prayer, God, lead me not into temptation, that reminds us that we need to ask God for the strength to be faithful followers of him, to not fall into temptation and stray away from God, but rather to be fully devoted, faithful followers. But again, because we're sinners, we will make mistakes, and we know when we do, we need to confess that sin. Talking to God about the things that are on our mind is important as we seek his guidance in our lives. And the Apostle Paul makes that clear when he tells us how he talks to God about the things that are on his mind. In the first chapter of his letter to the church in Ephesus, This is what he wrote. He was praying for the believers in that part of Asia Minor. He said, For this reason, ever since I've heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. That hope is the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Paul is talking to God about what he's thinking about for his fellow Christians who live in this part of the world. He's demonstrating to us how to talk to God about what's on our minds and how to pray for one another. The God of the universe who created us and who is present desires for us to know him 
And he wants to know what's on our minds by having that relationship where we tell him. He's all-knowing. He knows it already. But to be in a relationship means we communicate. And so we need to communicate with God and tell him what's on our minds. He would like to hear from us. So once we tell him what's on our mind, there's also things that we need to tell him that are on our hearts. And the things that are on our hearts are the things I think that are most urgent. They're pressing. They're the things that concern us and preoccupy our emotions. They're the things that make us angry and sad, the things that make us fearful and excited, the things that give us that knot in our stomach because we just don't know how it's going to work out. So we need to take those things to God and tell him what's on our hearts. Listen again to the Apostle Paul. He said, the Lord is near. Don't don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, I think it's important to note what Paul is saying in those verses. I think we all need to hear this. He's saying, don't be anxious. In fact, he's saying, don't be anxious about anything. In other words, don't be anxious about everything. And I know when we hear that, we're thinking, you know, wait a minute. Does does God realize that it looks like right now in 2023, the world is falling apart. There's a war in Israel. There's a war in Ukraine. And there there are wars going on in places in the world that we don't even know about. There is anger and hate and violence in ways and places that we've never dreamed of. There's suffering among us of physical illness, mental illness. There's loneliness and so much more. And after all of that and so many unmentioned things in that list, how can we help? but not be anxious. It's important to recognize why Paul says, don't be anxious. It's in the verse before it. He says, the Lord is near. God is near. He's right here with us. He's present through his spirit. He is present with us always, all the time. He's ever present. So he's present, so we don't need to be anxious. He's with us, so we don't need to be anxious. He is called Emmanuel, which means God with us, so we don't need to be anxious. But he knows we will need more. And so he says that in every situation, tell God what's on your heart. Pray to God. Petition God with your prayers. Pour out your heart to God so he'll know what you're feeling And you know what? When we pour out our hearts to God, it says he will give us peace. And what kind of peace is it? It's that peace that passes all understanding. The peace that doesn't make sense in this crazy world that we live in, but it only can come through Jesus. And then we understand it does make sense. So you know what's on your heart. So tell God. You know what's weighing heavy on you, so tell God. You know that medical diagnosis that no one else knows? Well, God knows it, so talk to him about it. It's on your heart. You know that thing that you did that you're so ashamed of that you wish had never happened? 
Again, God knows. So talk to him about what's on your heart. This week it was a really busy week in my life, and I, I talked to God a lot about the things that were on my heart. I talked to him about a loved one who's struggling in their lives. Uh, I, I poured out my heart about some hateful things happening in our country. I, I poured out my heart for those of you who requested prayer over the past week. I poured out my heart about this message and another one that I had to give this week. And why? Because I know God wants to know what is on my heart. And I know he wants to answer those prayers. So I want to wrap up this first message on prayer. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. But there's one last scripture that I want to share with you. And it's from Paul's first letter to the church in a part of Asia Minor called Thessalonica. And I'm just going to give you one phrase. And it's just one verse in a longer set of verses. But it said this, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. What does that mean? How do you do that? Uh, Years ago, I I saw a uh, Charles Schultz cartoon. Charlie Brown is uh, sitting in a chair. He's reading his Bible. His little sister Sally's coming by with a doll, and it so happens this is a praying doll, and she talks about it. You know, it kneels, and and its uh, hands are put together in a prayer, and she goes, you know, uh, my doll's hands are put together with Velcro, and uh, As Charlie is reading the Bible, he comes across this very verse. It says, pray without ceasing. And he says, can you pray without Velcro? Is that how we pray without ceasing? Have some Velcro to keep our hands stuck together? Well, no, it's not through Velcro. But let me just show you what praying without ceasing may look like. And this is a story about Billy Graham. It happened years ago in the 1980s. He was invited to the Today Show in New York City where he was going to be interviewed live in the morning program. And when he arrived at the studio, one of the program's producers informed Mr. Graham's assistant that a private room had been set aside for Mr. Graham to go and pray in. And this, the assistant thanked the producer for the thoughtful gesture, but he told him that Mr. Graham would not need the room. Now, the producer was shocked because he thought, you know, here's this world-famous Christian leader, and he's about to be interviewed live on network television. Wouldn't he want to spend some time in prayer? And the assistant turned to the producer, and he said, Mr. Graham started praying as soon as he got up this morning. He prayed while he was eating breakfast. He prayed in the car on the drive here. And he's going to be praying during the interview. That's what praying without ceasing looks like. When Paul tells us to pray without ceasing, he's telling us just pray. Just talk to God. Just talk to God about what's on your heart, what's on your mind. Talk to God about who he is. Talk to God. You can pray it out loud. You can pray it silently. It doesn't matter. He knows. He hears it all. Now, just want to say one last thing. You know, if you're a follower of Jesus, this makes sense because you understand it. You've seen the scriptures. You've read them before. God just wants us to be in communication with him. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, but this looks like something you want, you can become a follower of Jesus. And guess what? It is going to require you to talk to God. But again, that's nothing to be scared or intimidated about. And so 
God wants to be in a relationship with us all. And when we come to know him, we can be in that relationship and, and we can talk to him. And so we just need to recognize that he has sent Jesus into this world to pay the price for our sins, the sins that would separate us from God. And we need to accept what Jesus has done on our behalf to enter into that relationship. It means admitting we're a sinner and accepting that forgiveness from God and starting to live our lives following him. And you can do that by just telling him that you believe in him and want to follow him. So I'm going to give you a prayer to pray this morning and I'm going to invite you to pray that. And if you do pray it, you know, let me know because I would like to give you some material that will help you go deeper in that decision to be in a relationship with God. And then after that prayer, I'm going to move into a prayer for all of us that we would feel the leading of God's spirit to call us to talk to him often. So if you would, bow your heads, let's pray. God, as we gather here today, we recognize there may be someone who wants to enter into a relationship with you. And so if that's you, I invite you to pray these words silently back to God. Here's the first phrase. Dear God, I'm a sinner and I ask you for forgiveness. I believe that Jesus is your son, that he died for my sins and that you raised him back to life. And today I put my trust in him as my savior. And I want to follow him as my Lord. And I pray this in his name. We say amen to that prayer. But now, Lord, I pray for each one of us. Lord, help us lean in to the truth that we can talk to you whenever, wherever we are. Help us be prompted by your spirit to pray and to, to talk to God about who he is and how he's blessed us. And, and then talk to God what's on our minds and then what's on our hearts. Lord, draw us into that intimate relationship with you often. Help us pay attention to your nudges to be in relationship with you through prayer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.